Lord, anoint your servant for the work of ministry, the ministry of the Word of God. Empower him, strengthen him for the task ahead. And for all of us too, Lord, we ask, Lord, for alertness, for sensitivity to your Word, which is alive and active. And speak to us, Lord, today. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. This is the second uh, message in our series on uh, prayer. And today I'm uh, supposed to be talking about uh, the prayer of Daniel. My original intention was to uh, look into uh, this particular prayer. It's the longest prayer that we have in the book of Daniel. It is identification prayer. Uh, but after discussion, uh, a discussion with Ximing and Gokfai, I've changed the message. I changed the message yesterday. And I will not be talking very much about Daniel's prayer. I'll just be talking about prayer. Uh, Godfather's mandate to me is uh, just encourage the people to pray. And if possible, uh, add on time because we have AGM. Okay, so it's going to be short. I hope to be brief. Uh, Daniel, uh, well, let, first, let me just share with you. Uh, no, hold on. Let me just share with you uh, some of my struggles with prayer. Um, you know, you probably expect elders to be very prayerful, men of prayer, but I have to be very honest with you. Uh, I don't pray enough, and uh, my New Year resolution, the thing that I always bring before God is that, God, I'll pray more this year. I want to be a man of prayer. Uh, you know, and I think that the reason why I don't pray enough is because I try to use my human reasoning I always rationalize and I'll try to rationalize what precisely is the role of prayer. You know, I, and I, when I analyze, the more I analyze, the less I pray. Uh, and uh, there are some questions that pop up in my rational mind, and I'm going to show you on the, on the screen afterwards, but I want to tell you that I have made progress. Okay, I, I pray a lot more uh, over the years, and I will just share with you my testimony later. But these are some of the questions that pop up in my mind. Why, would, why should I make known a request to a God who is all-knowing? If God is not ill-informed, He does not need information that is contained in my prayer. If God is all-wise, He does not need my advice. And usually it's like that, God, I just pray that, you know, this will happen and the, and the doctor will be this and that and I just give God all the details of how this can work out just fine, God, if you just follow my advice. Now, uh, if God is a caring parent with traits of love and generosity and sensitivity, I don't have to convince God of my sincerity and my need. If, and, and doesn't He know the best? And if He knows the best, uh, wouldn't God just bring about good whether I pray or not? Why do we have to attend weekly prayer meetings? Do we, does God need a weekly update from us? You know, so sometimes I just ask these questions again and again. I say, oh, it's not wrong. Of course, the Bible says I should pray and I'll pray. I will just do it. But again, it will come up again and again. And I will rationalize and sometimes I just wonder, God, what am I doing you know, today? What have I just said? And so these are my struggles. And I realize 
that this kind of questions and reasoning and, and rationalizing is very common among men, which is why men, uh, the men, we are very poorly represented in prayer events. Uh, and we are, because we are still trying to figure out uh, the role of prayer, in other words, does prayer really make a difference? Now today, uh, I say the purpose of my message is to encourage you to pray. And I will now go to uh, Daniel's prayer. I'll just share my testimony along the way. Now, uh, you will read from uh, Daniel chapter 9 that uh, Daniel was praying, was reading the scriptures, and then he understood from scriptures that a prophecy of Jeremiah will come to pass. So it is in Daniel 9 2, it says, In the first year of uh, his reign, I, uh, Daniel, understood. Uh, from scriptures, according to the word of the Lord giving to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. You see, what happened is this, Daniel was in, was in exile together you know, uh, 60 over years ago, and he has been serving the uh, several Babylonian kings, and of course this is now, uh, he's serving now Darius, the king of the Medes. Uh, there's a change of empire. And he was reading the scriptures, and then he discovered, hey, there's something in, in the prophet, in the book of Jeremiah that says that we are going back. Now, exactly what was he reading? He was reading Jeremiah 29, 10 to 11. This is what the Lord says. Huh? This is what is written in Jeremiah. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. So when he read this, he was very excited. And that was the catalyst of his prayer. And he started then interceding and praying and mourning. And you can read all of chapter 9. It's a very long chapter. And he just went on and on. And he asked uh, the Lord, uh, no, he prayed for his own sins. He prayed for the sins of the Jews. He confessed the sins of his forefathers. And then he began to pray for Judah and then to Jerusalem and for all Israel. And I was wondering when I was just reading uh, Daniel chapter 9, hey, God has spoken. If it's 70 years, it will be 70 years. Whether you pray or not, it will happen, right? Because it is a prophecy. Why did Daniel have to pray with urgency, and it was immediate. Urgency, fervency, and he just went into prayer. Why? I think it is because Daniel understood that even though God has spoken, it may still not happen quite exactly like what we expect. And I went back to read Jeremiah 29, there is something else in Jeremiah 29. Okay? So he, he said this, uh, uh, Daniel, I turned to the Lord, I pleaded with Him, I, with prayer, with fasting, with petition, in sackcloth, I prayed and I confessed. So th this is what I don't understand. Why did he have to do that? Now, there is something else in Jeremiah 29 which I highlighted in, uh, here in yellow. Okay, yes, the first part says, that it will be 70 years captivity. But the second part says that, then you will call on me 
and come and you will pray to me and then I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I've carried you into exile. You see, the prophecy is not just verse 10 and 11. The prophecy includes verse 12, 13, and 14. And when Daniel read this, he understood and said, well, if that's the case, I want to pray now. Now, according to scriptures, see, in the, uh, uh, he was, Daniel was uh, brought to Babylon in captivity in the year 606. And at the time when he read these scriptures, uh, the first year of Darius was 538 BC, which means that it's about 68 years. Two more years. In two more years, prophecy will be fulfilled. And if I'm going to fulfill, if, if prophecy is going to be fulfilled or delayed because of whether we do verse 12, 13 and 14, I am going to do it now. God, I'm praying. I'm interceding for my people. I'm interceding for myself. I want to pray that there will be no delay. God, let it happen. And so he prayed, he prayed, and I prayed to the Lord and I confessed. And then verse 19, uh, you, you look at this, Daniel chapter 9, verse 19. Lord, listen, God, listen. Please forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, O God. Do not delay. Do not delay. Ah, that is the reason for the, uh, the immediacy of the prayer and the urgency of the prayer. Do not delay, even though you have spoken, but let it happen as you have spoken on the 70th year with no delay. Now, I, uh, I was just wondering as I was preparing the message, I, I wonder whether events could turn out differently if there were no Daniel, if the people didn't pray and they just don't seek the Lord and they were just very tida uh, apa about everything and, and uh, they, well, yeah, there's no fasting, there's no praying. I wonder, and I want to suggest to you, this is my view, that I think it could. Things could turn out differently, uh, but Thankfully, Daniel understood the importance and the urgency of seeking the Lord, and he, he, he did. Why do I believe that things could turn out differently? Because there is at least, well, I'm, I'm giving you an example of one other time in history where God has spoken and yet there was a delay. So I'm referring to uh, uh, God's promised to Abraham. You know, Abraham was already in Canaan and, and God told him, Abraham, look at this land. Everything will be given to you as far as your eyes can see and, and where your foot will step. I'll give it to you. And, but I tell you, your descendants are going to be in captivity for 400 years. And after that, I'm going to bring you back to the land. So it's not going to happen straight away 400 years. But then we read later when Moses came into the picture that now the length of time that the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. There is a discrepancy. There was a delay of 30 years. What happened? 
Ah, of course, we know what happened. Two reasons. Number one, Moses went ahead of God. When Moses was 40 years old, he took things into his own hand. Remember, he, he killed a, 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 a slave driver and because he wanted to take things into his own hands, you know, because he's prince of Egypt after all. And then he had to, be, he had to live on self-exile and he went to Median to, to live for 40 years. I, I believe that if this thing had not happened, that means uh, Moses did not go ahead of God, at age 50, Moses would have been raised as a deliverer and uh, plans would have been unfolded and then there will be the deliverance and then really they will, uh, it will be on the anniversary of the 400 year they will be living and living in Egypt, but it didn't happen. Now the second thing I think happened is this. The Israelites pray. Prior to chapter 2, there was no mention of the Israelites praying. But in chapter 2, God told Moses, I am ready and I want you to be the deliverer and I want to raise you now. Because the Israelites groan in their slaveries, they have cried out and their cry for help has gone up to me. I have heard. God heard their groaning. He remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So look, God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. The Israelites prayed, I believe. And so, God has spoken, yes, but let there be no delay, God. That was Daniel's prayer. Let it happen as prophesied. Let it be fulfilled on the 70th year. Let us all go back. Let the people of Israel go back. That was his prayer. You know, uh, my next point is this. I, I want to say this, that I think that history is like, um, history is like a book created by God. You know, uh, the introduction is written by God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and He made man and the creatures and, and the angels and everything. Do we have a part in it? No. He wrote the introduction and we had no part in the introduction. History, this book has a conclusion and it is written by God. And the end will be good and the end is fixed. We can't change it. And the conclusion is set, and we know how it will end. It will end with Jesus reigning. There will be a new heaven and new earth, and all of us will be with God, and we will reign with Him forever and ever, and it's going to be that kind of a conclusion. But in between the conclusion and uh, the, uh, the introduction, God, the author of the book, and us, the characters in the book, affect the story. Um, what I'm saying is this, that God allows us to contribute to this book and our prayers and action can actually determine the content of this book. I know it is a mystery. I've been thinking about this for a long time. How can it be like this, that God, you choose to govern the world and, and, and like, like this? Yeah, it came with free will. And God, since the creation of man, has been giving out and He gave us power, He gave us liberty, He gave us free choice, He gave us the, uh, the liberty to ask and to affect Him, to change His mind. He has been giving so that we can contribute and influence Him. 
uh, I want to give you a few examples, just in case you, you are, you know, you're not convinced, all right? Example one of how events in history uh, were determined by people's prayer. The first one was this. In Numbers chapter 14, we have this example uh, where God told Moses, you know, he was so fed up, you know, the, the spies came back and the spies said, ah, yeah, this is terrible, we should not have listened to you and leave Egypt, we should have just get someone and let's go back to Egypt. You know, God just wants us to die and you know, there was a bad report from the, from the spies and God was so grieved and so angry. He told Moses, Moses, what I'm going to do is this, all right? There's going to be a change of plan now. I will strike them with, with palace, uh, pestilence and I will disinherit them. I will make you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. Then he said, Moses interviewed, oh God, no, 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 please, you can't do that. You know, I consider what people will say, what people will hear about. God, you can't, you can't. I don't want, I, I don't want, I, God, I appeal to you. Don't change the script. And God, after hearing Moses' prayer, said, all right, let's stick to the original plan. And it was just like that. And you know, God is sovereign and God can do anything and He doesn't need to listen to anybody what He wants to do, He will do. But no, the content of the book can be altered or not altered, depending on prayer. I'll give you an example if this is a bad example to you. Example 2, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1-6, to you see, God had already decided that Hezekiah would not recover from his illness. And according to scriptures, uh, uh, 2 Kings uh, 18.2 and 2 Kings 26, I, uh, comparing the scriptures, I know, uh, we know that Hezekiah would have died at the age of 39. And then Hezekiah heard about it. Oh, he just went on prayer God and he begged God, he prayed and he mourned and he wept. And then as, a, as the prophet was going out, then the Lord said, all right, turn back, turn back, turn back. That guy is praying. Tell him, 15 more years. So the guy turned back and said, all right, Hezekiah, God has heard your prayer, 15 more years. And the scriptures recorded for us um, in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, 1, that he died at the age of 54. And so what happened in the 15 years? A lot of things happened and the script had to be rewritten, new materials have to be added. And, and so God allows us to influence him, affect him, he accepts our contributions, our parts, our prayers. It's taken into account. Isn't that great? And if you think that this is a, a not a good example, let's, what about this? You know, 1 Kings chapter 13, I'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, what would have been a three-year drought became a three-and-a-half-year drought. God was waiting for Elijah to pray. Let me tell you, i got a few slides here. Let me tell you exactly what I'm talking about. See, what happened was this. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 1, uh, uh, it, was, it was recorded for us that there had already been a long drought and it was already in the third year. And after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year and saying that, Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab now. I will send rain. So go and present and, and inform Ahab. So uh, uh, Elijah did. 
He went to Ahab, and you know, uh, there was this confrontation in the mouth, in Mount Carmel, and uh, you know, where, where, you know, uh, uh, where he was supposed to reveal the glory of God. And really, the glory of the Lord was displayed, and the fire came down from heaven and burned up the offering, and then there was a slaughtering of the, uh, the prophets of Baal, and a lot of things happened. Still no rain. And exactly how long was it between this period and when the rain came? Elijah was a man with a nature just like us. He prayed earnestly that would be no rain, and it didn't, it didn't rain. And then he prayed again. And you see in verse 17, and it did not rain for three years and six months. Not three years. Not in the third year when God said that he wanted to send rain, but three and a half years. And why? Why was there a delay? Because Kings, First Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings 17.1 has this to tell us. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. You see, you've got to read the chapters before that. When, when Elijah pronounced that there will be famine, Elijah told Ahab, nothing will happen except by my word. And God said, well, Elijah, I want to send rain. Just tell me when. Just tell me when. I'm waiting for your prayer. And, and Elijah didn't pray for a while because he wants certain things to happen first. He wants God's glory to be shown. He wants the prophet of God to be honoured. He wants to the slaughter the, the, the prophets of Baal. He wants all these things to happen. And then when everything happened, uh, uh, sorry, when all these things happened, it is recorded for us in the Bible that Elijah then went up back to the mountain with his servants. He bowed down and he started to pray for rain. Not one time, seven times he prayed and he said, okay, see, see whether there's rain. And the, and the, prof, uh, the servant went and came back, uh, no rain. Then he came back, he prayed again, he earnestly prayed. He sent a servant, uh, Master, no rain. And he came back, he prayed seven times. And then on the seventh time, the servant told Elijah, I think there's a cloud coming. All right. At his word, God was waiting for Elijah's prayer at his word. It's amazing. Amazing. How God would depend on us to contribute to the script. And there's something even more amazing. Example four. God is counting on us for world evangelism. Matthew 9.38, Jesus told the disciples, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers to his harvest field. I find this a, to be a very strange request. He is the Lord of the harvest, is he not? And if he sends the need for more workers, he can recruit himself, can he not? Who is more concerned about the salvation of souls than he is? Who is the Lord of salvation? He is. And you are asking me to pray to you to send laborers because you see the urgency of raising laborers on the field? Say, yes. 
you know, we are kingdom partners. This is the way God wants to do things. And kingdom partners are to advance the kingdom of God with Him. And very often, God waits. God waits for our action. God waits for our prayer. God waits for our participation. It's amazing, astonishing. And I, you know, there's this, I didn't put this on slide because, uh, well, uh, this is last minute, you know. First uh, Corinthians uh, 12, 21, where, you know, uh, uh, Paul was giving this illustration of the body, you know, about the body life and the head and the parts of the body cannot say that we do not need you and said that Christ is, the, Christ is the head and he gave this illustration, astonishing metaphor. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Wow! How can, how can God, how can the work of the kingdom be dependent on people so unreliable as us? But God said, let it be so. Now, I have put this, uh, maybe let me summarize that it is going to be like this, all right? A, a, a summary of sort that everything depends on us and everything depends on God. That's the way He wants it. John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. Philippians 4, 13, you can do all things through me. You can't do all things, but you can do all things. Everything depends on me and everything depends on you. Apart from God, we cannot. But apart from us, God will not. And that's the way He wants it. Uh, you know, uh, God, is, God is inviting us to influence Him so that He can act. God is waiting for our prayers. And as uh, Archbishop uh, Temple uh, said, and I'll quote, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. I like that because my attitude towards prayer has changed over the years. I'm still not praying enough, but I'm still, I'm constantly amazed by how God intervenes in the circumstances of my life. Um, you know, there are astonishing, generous promises from God concerning prayer. And I, I just give you three. These are extravagant promises. John 14, 13, I will do whatever you ask. And if two or three agree on about anything they ask for, it will be done. And I will give you the, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And I'm trying to just understand this. God, what is this? And I, you know, I, I'll, I'll give a few examples. Just this, just uh, uh, well, this month, but particularly this week. Now, March is a particularly busy month for me. I have a lot of hearing. It's, it's a crunch, you know. Some months I'm, I'm free and other months I got just, the, the hearings are just lined up and I have got to take the, uh, the healing prayer service. I got to preach this week. I got so many trials in in between. So what, I, what happened was this. Uh, there was a, a matter which I was handling for uh, uh, four years and 
uh, from the time of the first tranche hearing and the second tranche hearing, and today uh, it has been more than a year, meaning that this, this case has been dragging on. I've got, got four days of hearing already, and the judge is very impatient that we must conclude the matter. And I've met the judge so many times, but we just can't resolve. I don't want to go for the third tranche hearing. It's too draggy, and my doctors are not available to, to testify, and we have to vacate the hearing date. It's just very painful. So finally, I, I made an offer to the other side, just upping my, from my previous offer. I just upped it. There was still no settlement. We were just far too far apart. And I was so fed up with this case. And I just prayed about it anyway to God. A possible God. A possible God. I asked of you, let it be resolved. Now, that was two weeks ago. And it was. One day, was preparing for the matter, updating my clients, a letter came. This was the offer they absolutely refused and they accepted no explanation given because the other lawyer was too busy to talk to me. It was just accepted. This week, I was preparing uh, to fight a case on Wednesday. Again, I tell you, it is, it is not the lawyer's fault, right? It's the client. The client is, is just totally unrealistic. So the lawyer apologized to me that let's go through the hearing, Edwin. Put him on the spot. You know, you've got to just give it to him. My client is horrible. So okay, I prepare. But you know, in my heart, I say, God, you know, it's a waste of time. Uh, so I prepared and I prepared and, and I, I was bold enough to say, God, but God, if it is possible, I'm preparing for my, my uh, sermon, if it is possible, just do a miracle for me. Can you just resolve this? I've I got one thing less to worry about. Well, it didn't happen. We went to court. My questions are ready. Everything is ready. I went to chambers, met the judge. and just said, well, let me look at the documents. How old is your client? Uh, uh, the, it was addressing my opponent. Manoha, how can you expect your client to be receiving this and that? And then he just went on and on. You better talk to your client before we start. Do you need some more time? Yes, Your Honor. I, can I just have a word to my client? And he just went out. He came back. He accepted my offer. It was over. Just like that, you know, from the judge, it was just like that. I've got a hearing tomorrow. Oh my God, you know, this is again another one. Was cannot settle. This is really cannot settle because for months we have been dis discussing this case. If it can be settled, it would have been settled long ago. The gap is why we are talking about like my offer and their offer is two hundred thousand dollar different. How to settle? So anyway. I told my client, you know, we better teach this guy a lesson. We'll put in an official letter called an OTS, an offer to settle, and I will just serve it on this person. And I gave him a long letter that if you don't accept this offer, I'm going to put your client to, to street proof on this, and I want the employer to come, and I want the whole list of things. And I said, I will put it in. But actually, uh, I, I didn't really have faith. Uh, the gap was really too big, you know. Uh, I, I prepared and was preparing for a sermon. You know, I was preparing for the trial and all that. You know, if, if there's no settlement tomorrow, I would have to go back after the sermon to prepare because I'm not ready for the trial. You know, at 7.30 on Friday, at 7.30 while I was preparing the sermon, I, was, uh, I had walked past the, the, the fax machine. I just, acceptance. God, you heard my prayer. Sorry for, for not exercising faith. Just like that. You're so attentive. Just okay, okay, okay. Just like that. Well, I tell you, the author 
is inviting the characters of the story to just get to work, man. Start talking to me. What are your inputs? Influence me. And I tell you, the reason why we Christians don't pray more, is, I believe, is because we don't grasp the connection between our prayers and God's plan. Or we don't really believe that our prayers can make such a great difference that God would just be so attentive. You know, our prayers are so small. We, I don't think we believe that our prayers are so powerful, that we can influence God and affect the story. We don't see the connection between prayer and promises. That's why we don't pray. And uh, I want to tell you something that, that really uh, affected me. I, was, uh, you know, I attend prayer meetings. And I'll tell you the reason why I attend prayer meetings, all right? The reason why I attend prayer meetings is because when I pray with people, I tend to pray for people. When I pray by myself, I have a tendency to pray for myself. And when I pray for people, my love for them grows. When I stop praying for people, I realize that my attention towards them is very low. So that's why I attend prayer meeting. Now, uh, we were praying for Yope, you know, uh, our full-time worker in the, uh, from Bangladesh, and he, wanted, he needed an S-pass. And we've discussed this at the diaconate and, and among the elders, and said, actually, uh, it's very, almost impossible. And I really believe it, you know, it's almost impossible. I don't think he's going to get it. But then pastors say, pray, we must pray, we must pray. And then it was rejected, and the second time it was rejected, and then, it, but it was always up as a prayer item. And so God, you know, since it's up, I pray with people and I pray for people. God, I pray that God, you'll be gracious, you'll do a miracle. And a miracle happened. You got his ass passed. I tell you, I was tremendously encouraged by that particular answer to prayer. Tremendously encouraged. I want to tell you this. We do not pray because we do not see, we do not see spiritual warfare. Actually, spiritual warfare is happening right this moment and all the time. How do I know Ephesians says this? Ephesians says this, Paul asked him, you got to put on the full armor of God, the full armor, and he, he went on and on and on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. He repeated this phrase, and in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. What, what, what in mind? With this in mind, the spiritual warfare in mind. Be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people because he understood. He could see that there is something happening on in heavens. How do I know that there is basis? Well, look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 10 Daniel was praying and fasting and mourning and he was praying and fasting and mourning for 21 days. And you read chapter 10, you will understand that the reason why there was no response to Daniel's prayer was because Satan sent someone to block the archangel Gabriel. And he was fighting him for 21 days and there was no breakthrough until Michael, the archangel, was sent to, uh, 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 well, to, to, de to defeat Satan. 
Hey, something is happening. If God can block our prayer, if Satan can block our prayer, good. If Satan can stop us on the 10th day or on the 20th day of our prayer, good. That's what he wants to do. And I believe that you, you, you've got to take into account John 10, 10 very, very seriously. The agenda of devil in spiritual warfare is three things. To steal, to kill, to destroy, to steal, usually by deception. Usually to take away what is valuable to us. And then he will kill. It's often through discouragement. He will extinguish hope. He will quench our faith. He wants to bring deadness, a deadness in our Christian life. And then when that happens, ultimately it's to destroy, to totally devastate to completely flatten our lives. And what I mean is that our faith will be extinguished and it doesn't matter anymore. Why do I say Hebrews 11 says, Hebrews 11, 6, 6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is very, very important. And if there's an attitude of faith, it will matter to God more than our words. But without faith, nothing matters. So if faith matters so much to God, what does the devil want to extinguish? Faith. What does the devil want to destroy? Faith. What does the devil want to, to completely devastate? Faith. So that everything else that we do without faith will be dead works. It doesn't matter anymore. That is the agenda. I want to speak now. I'm, I'm going to conclude very soon. I want to speak to you as a word of exhortation, urgent plea to you. The parents among our midst, if you have a wayward child. I want to speak to you, brothers and sisters, if you have a brother or sister who were once fervent but they have strayed. If you have a friend you really care about who has been destroyed by the evil one and you can't even see a trace of faith now, I want you to pray. Because the purpose of my saying so many things in the last 35 minutes to tell you that we can affect God, the script can be rewritten, amended. It can be filled up with new paragraphs. We, God is waiting for our prayer. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that what is stolen, God can recover. God can recover stolen prayer, uh, faith. God can revive faith. God can inject God can inject new life. I want to tell you that your family situation is not beyond hope. And the devil wants you to believe that, you see, by deception. Nothing is impossible with God because God says so. Jesus said in Mark 10, 27, it is impossible with you, I know, but it is possible with God. And Romans 8, 31, 37 says, that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son but gave him up for us, or will he not also give us all things together with him? Come on. Believe in your God. And, and that was how uh, Jeremiah started his prayer in chapter 10. God, I believe. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. His long prayer was, I believe in you. I believe that you are this kind of God. I believe that you are righteous. You are right. I know what kind of a God you are. That's why I'm appealing to you. And so let's start with God. If God is for us, who can be against us? In the next five minutes, I'm going to share with you a story. It's a very, very powerful story. If you have heard it before, hear it again. If you have not heard it before, listen carefully. 
I urge you to start praying for people and for yourself because nothing is hopeless and I believe that you can affect God and God is waiting for your prayer. Now, this is a story taken, by, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's taken from the book um, Fresh Wind and Fresh uh, Fire by Jim Zimbala, from, uh, the senior pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's such a powerful story that a little book was uh, published, just in case people don't have the patience to read the whole book. They just take out that powerful ministry and they, give, they created a little book like that. Okay, this, this is a testimony. Now, Pastor Zimbala is, has a, a daughter uh, called Chrissy, uh, who, has, who was a model child when she grew up. But at around the age of 16, the daughter started to stray. And uh, I, I now just read from the book, okay, to save time. Chrissy not only drew away from us, but also away from God. In time, she even left home. There were some nights we had no idea where she was. As the situation grew more serious, I tried everything. I begged, I pleaded, I scolded, I argued. Nothing worked. Then one November, I was alone in Florida. I received a call from a minister whom I had persuaded Chrissy to talk to. So this friend called me, Jim, I love you and your wife, but the truth of the matter is that Chrissy is going to have to do what Chrissy is going to do. There's really... You really don't have much choice. Now she's 18. She's determined. You are going to have to accept whatever she decides. Simbala said, I just hang up the phone and something deep within me began to cry out, Never! I will never accept Chrissy being away from you, Lord. I knew that if I continued on the present path, there would be uh, I knew that if she continued in the present path, there would be nothing but destruction waiting for her. There came a divine sh showdown. God strongly impressed upon me to stop crying, screaming, and talking to anyone about this matter. I was to converse with no one but God. I just have to believe and obey. And I began to pray with intensity and with growing faith like never before. Whatever the bad news that I received about Chrissy, I kept on interceding. And Carol, and I, Carol is uh, Pastor Simbala's wife, Carol and I endured Christmas seasons with, with sadness, but, but nothing happened. And then February came. One cold Tuesday in February night, we had a prayer meeting. And I talked about Acts 4, about uh, the, how the church was calling God's people to face persecution. And then we entered into a time of prayer. And the ushers then handed me a note. Now, this note is from a young woman who is very spiritually sensitive and had written in the note, Pastor Zimbala, I feel impressed that we should stop the meeting and we all pray for your daughter. I hesitated. Pastor Zimbala said, I hesitated. Was it right to change the flow of the service? Yet, this note came from, this note seems to have a ring of true. So I picked up the microphone and I told the congregation what had just happened, but this person had given me a note and she told the congregation, people, the truth of the matter is this, my daughter is very far from God these days. She thinks that, that up is down and down is up and dark is light and, and light is dark, but I know God can break through for her. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Bill's staff to lead us in the time of prayer for Chrissy. Let's just join our hands across the century. I, and then she described what happened right in, uh, in the next few minutes. 
And so then they, they, he, employed, uh, he employed the metaphor that the church is in the labor room. And, and then, uh, you know, we have to labor. And then really, everybody was groaning and they were crying and they were just interceding for Chrissy, you know, and the result was wonderful. Uh, and and they, were, they were telling Satan, Satan, you will not have my girl. You take the hands of Chrissy. She's coming back. And then, and after that, it was over. And he just felt that something was being knocked down, something, there was a breakthrough. So when she got home, he told Carol, his wife, it's over. So the wife said, well, what is over? It's over with Chrissy. 32 hours later, on the Thursday morning, she was just shaving in the toilet, and Carol burst into the doors, wide open, go downstairs. Chrissy's here. Chrissy's here. Yes, go downstairs. Carol, I, I. So he just went downstairs. It's you. It's you. He, she wants to see. So he, she headed downstairs and, and with heart pounding, he saw the daughter on the kitchen floor, rocking, rocking his knees. He was sobbing. Then she grabbed the hands of the, the legs of the father. He began to cry. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and mommy. Please forgive me. And then she suddenly stopped. Daddy, who was praying for me? Who was praying for me? What do you mean, Chrissy? On Tuesday night, Daddy, who was praying for me? I w- it was in the middle of the night. God woke me up and He showed me that I was hated for the abyss. There was no bottom to it. He scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard I've, I've been, how wrong I've been, how rebellious I've been. But at the same time, I felt the arms of the Lord wrap around me. He held me tight and He kept me from sliding further. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, tell me the truth. Who prayed for me on Tuesday night? And I saw her bloodshot eyes, and once again I recognized that she was the daughter who was raised from the dead. I don't know whether you are in a similar situation. You know that your son or daughter is headed for destruction, and you thought, no hope, too late, hopeless, wrong. The devil comes to rob, steal, and destroy. And maybe your son or daughter, your brother, sister, friend is at the last stage. It's almost at the stage of devastation, completely going to be destroyed. God can revive faith. God can raise the dead. God can restore whatever is stolen. Then you say, oh God, but what about the times when, when I prayed and nothing happens? I want to tell you that there is, this is why you got to know there's a spiritual warfare. If God can stop you one day earlier from a breakthrough, succeed. He, he, he succeeds in the battle. And, and that was why in chapter 6, uh, of all the things that the enemy of God can do, God, the enemy got to persuade the king to have this decree that the, and this, this law is that nobody is to pray to anyone but you king for 30 days. You know why? It is to stop Daniel from praying. It is to discourage us from praying. That is really the agenda of of the devil. But I want to tell you about why there are delays. Normally, we are very self-occupied when we are praying. God, remove this problem, solve this, get rid of that, relieve me of this pain. And the, the prayer is all about more petition than anything else, more, more petition than praise and all that. It's just about ourselves and because we're so absorbed with our problems and our need. 
But God is more concerned with the bigger picture than just simply answering our prayers. Our prayers do not sit in isolation. Uh, there is a larger picture that God is weaving. At, as much as God wants to solve the problem, God wants to do something about this person who is giving you a problem and solve this situation that is affecting your family and to, to work with you and then to change the environment. God is doing so many things as we are praying. And so when God is not intervening, uh, you must ask God, God, is there something else I must do? Uh, is there something you are achieving in this person's life or my life? Must I wait? Is there a reason why I should wait? Uh, God, I want to understand. God, just, just fill me with more faith. Uh, uh, change my prayer. Maybe that's not what you want. And we just interact and we just interact. And, and so this is what... Uh, what would we do? We, we wait, we pray, we ask, we ponder, we surrender, we continue to hope, we trust, and we just continue to, to do this. And I want to give you an illustration of what happens, all right? This is a picture. You know, do you know what's a more, right? In fact, this, everything, a lot of things that we, we, uh, we, we use are, are created in, uh, by, by machinery in a more, and the chairs, and you see, you know, our prayers like that. We say a bit of prayer and our prayer goes into a more. And then we pray again and a little bit more goes to the more. And then, uh, then we pray and then we pray scriptures and we praise and a little bit goes to the more. And finally, our prayers will fill the more. And the more is the perfect will of God. But our prayers, in which our prayers and petition are being cast. And uh, our prayers and our petition are shaped by the perfect will of God. But usually at the beginning, it's not perfect. And it has to be added and it has to be added and added. And finally, our prayers will be in conformity to the perfect will of God. And that's why we have to persevere. Don't let the devil stop us on the 20th day when the breakthrough is on and it's, it has to be a breakthrough only on the 21st day. So, my brothers and sisters, this is my exhortation. You see, it's very little to do with Daniel chapter 9. I just want to encourage you to pray. And I want you to bow down in the word of prayer with me and ask the musicians to come forward because we are going to, I know it's late, but we're going to just sing one stanza of that song. But pray with me. Let's bow down our for a, a word of prayer because we have a lot to ask God and confess. We have to confess our sins. God is speaking to us. He is asking us to pray. He's waiting for us to pray. So let's bow down and I'll lead you in a time of prayer. Pray with me. I want to lead you in this time of prayer. Oh, Father God, thank you for inviting us to pray. Thank you for assuring us that our prayers do matter. You are not far and you are certainly very attentive. Because the, the promises in the Bible concerning prayers are just so extravagant, so extraordinary, so generous. In fact, God, thank you for the parable in Luke 18 that we, we always forget the parable to make a point that we ought to pray and not lose heart 
how many times we have given up praying for someone or for something because we, we have allowed Satan to convince us that it doesn't matter anymore. Father, forgive us for giving up. And in Romans 8, 26, you say that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and He searches our hearts. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. God, we know, although we know Your will, or rather, although we do not know Your will in any given matter, the Spirit does. Although we feel ignorant and, and our prayers are ignorant, the Spirit is not ignorant. Although we feel exhausted and confused, the Spirit is not. Though we feel uh, that we are lacking in faith, the Spirit does not. Oh God, let the Spirit intercede for us and let us un- help us to remember that the Spirit intercedes for us with wisdom and with words too wonderful. God, thank you that our prayers are not useless unless it is faithless. We want to start again. Revive our faith. Give us a fresh faith. Give us a spirit of prayer. God, we want to pray like never before. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Although... Uh, it's 10.35 I just feel that we should just close with this song let's rise and uh, then we'll have the AGM right God will make a way
you believe that and claim that 